This episode of the podcast is sponsored by The Best Man's Promise, book number two in the Navarro series by author Sarah Taino. Here's a few useful details. This is a male-male romance, Puerto Rican, Haitian lead, grumpy sunshine, forced proximity, forbidden attraction, wedding shenanigans, guava cheesecake for breakfast, and snowed in. Here's the blurb. He can't forget the kiss he shared with the best man, but is he the best man for him? His sister's wedding isn't the ideal place for Rafael Navarro to reconnect with the man he kissed in a moment of reckless abandon, but it's impossible to avoid best man Etienne Galois. The gorgeous Haitian photographer hasn't forgotten the intimate moment they shared, even if Rafi is the most maddening person he's ever met. Can the two find common ground, proving opposites not only attract, they can become lovers for life? From Harlequin Special Edition, Believe in Love, Overcome Obstacles, Find Happiness. We are so excited for this book. Aaron and I were both huge fans of Sarah Taino's Harlequin Special Edition debut back in September 2021, A Delicious Dilemma, and we have been counting the days down for this release. So we are so excited for it. Don't forget, it releases February 21st, 2023 from Harlequin Special Edition. And thank you so much to Sarah for sponsoring this episode of the show. Hello and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today it is January 2023 Books Club. We're talking Kiss and we have with us author Celestine Martin. Celestine, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. Tell us about you. I mean, because you had a book. I read it last year. It was fantastic. But like... Tell us about you, your romance origin story. Tell us all the things. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to start from when I was 12, because that was the first time I read a romance novel. Like a dear, sweet family friend, Mr. Daniels, um, he gave me my first romance novel. We were on this long road trip, and I was just like looking through his back seat, and I saw this thick paperback book about a woman and a man on the Oregon Trail, and they were going to fall in oh love. But it was fake <laughs> dating, and I was like, oh, my God. And I Fake dating Mr. on the Oregon Trail? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. It was either the Goodnight Loving Trail or the Oregon Trail. One of those. But it was like so just romantic. And I asked him, he said, Yeah, you can you can borrow it. And thank goodness, because that kind of started my love affair with romance. And in high school, there was this bookstore by my school. And every time I would like save my lunch money and then I would go and they had this back room. And this back room, imagine. It was like Willy Wonka, but for Harley Quinn. It was like from t- from top to bottom, they just had all these category romances. You're talking Blaze. You had all the series. You had the, uh, what was it? The suspense series. You had all these series. You had the original blue covers, you know, that was like blue teal covers of books. And I would buy them. It would be for two bucks you could get 10 Harley Quinn categories and I would stuff my book bag with them. And then when she's like, Oh, I had to change the price from uh, 
to eight for two dollars. I said, that's still fine. Like I yeah. would buy them <laughs> yeah. and read them at lunch. I would read them on the bus on the way home. And so my love affair with writing, like with romances started before me writing it. My writing started in graduate school because I went to um, graduate school to get my MFA and I read, you know, the the classic um, literary stuff. You had your Dennis Johnson, you had your Paul Bowles, you had, of course, my love, Toni Morrison, Alice Walker. I was reading all these literary writers, but I loved reading romance still. I rediscovered my love for romance in graduate school and I, and like, I would go to uh, where was it? Goodwill. And I would buy all the romances that would be for like, oh, you can get this for a buck or you can for, for a dollar. That's where I discovered Jennifer Cruzy. I rediscovered um, uh, a lot of people with a Kimani line, had a lot of Kimani lines in Goodwill mm-hmm. that I would buy. And of course, I found in the public library my love, Beverly Jenkins. And so I was just like, oh my goodness. So that's my love affair. And then it was finally that was just like, I was reading one book and it was it was just like a lightning bolt where this character, they were looking into each other's eyes. They were both blonde and they had blue eyes. And then I said, well, I could write a romance. Why can't they have brown eyes? Why can't they do this? So I was just like, all right, I'm going to write a romance. So like I was like 24 when I decided I was going to write a romance. And that's how it started. Just a lot of false starts, a lot of like half abandoned novels, a lot of um, national novel writing trunk novels that will never see the light of day. And I feel so, like you're like calling me out here. I, that's how I feel. I feel listen, like you're calling me out. <laughs> it is okay. Sometimes you don't need that pirate romance. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. I get oh, oh, that. Oh, I don't know. I might need that pirate romance. Yeah, Aaron loves a pirate romance. <laughs> it was just like, I'm a history nerd too. So when you start researching that period, I'm just like, oh, that's why historical writers, my historical romance writers, nothing but love for them. I want to just give them a beer and a shot because I'm like, the fact you have to balance like storytelling with, you know, the historical accuracy, you have to do this delicate dance and also make sure that you emotionally engage your readers. God bless you because it takes (laughs) takes a lot of effort because you always have the, well, actually people come in and it's just like, well, this is a good story. Enjoy the story. Well, they didn't have that until 1853. I'm like, okay, all right, all right. But that's why <laughs> this whole like romance story. is a fantasy. Okay, does it have to be historical. super accurate? If we want to talk like historical accuracy, let's talk about the fact that ba- people rarely took baths during this time period. Okay, you couldn't afford it. It was a luxury. It was right. a luxury. <laughs> like, who's going to take a bath this month? Me, me. Okay, you, <laughs> you. They might do a quick bird bath or something, but you're not filling up a whole tub. That takes a lot of energy and a lot of time yes. and a lot of work. So I, I understand that. So that's where I was just like, I love paranormal too as well. So I started writing paranormal and light paranormal romance. I'm a, like, I grew up with my teen witch, my OG charm that I always saw every Sunday. <laughs> I was furious when they killed off Prue. I was like, I'll never love again. I was like, so mad about Prue dying. And so 
I watched that. I watched like the first couple seasons of the Vampire Diaries until I realized, hold up, they're not going to use Bonnie. Then I'm going to have to bow out. I would check in once in a while in the later seasons, but just like, oh my goodness, she's give her something to do. So give I, her something, yeah, yeah, give mm. her something to do. She's not so like, you keep on using her magic as a plot device and. Oh my goodness. I grew up during that whole, that kind of witchy renaissance that's been taking place and has taken place like every 10 years. People remember, hey, witches are powerful. Witches are cool. This is magic. But then I feel like it's always heavy magic. It's like, oh, we've got to, you know, get all this. Like, no, we're having to the fun side of magic. Some like the love spells and the wishes and, you know, the desire to, you know, oh, I want to win the lotto. Let me put like burn some bay leaves and put them in my wallet for good luck. You know, yeah. that type of side of magic that I grew up with. And my mother is like, okay, I'm going to spritz you with um, patchouli oil. So you're safe. Here you go. Like that type of magic is what I grew up with. And of course my mom, no matter what we were doing, if uh, practical magic was on HBO, we uh, sit down, we're watching practical magic. We write watching practical magic. And so that's where kind of my love affair with um, witches and magic and tradition, and especially with um, African folklore and African traditions, because my family, I like to call myself um, the daughter of the Great Migration, because most of my family came up um, during the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s up to New York City and settled here. And they brought they they brought whatever clothes were on their back and what of traditions that they held. So I inherited a lot of that kind of knowledge and background. And so I was just like, well, I don't see that in the books that I'm reading. Not that I didn't say it doesn't exist, but I didn't see it or it wasn't, I wasn't looking in the right places. Cause I don't want to say like, I was the only one out here. No, I wasn't the only one out here. It's just like, I was like, okay, I want to either add my voice to the collection or I want to say, this is the type of magic that I want to see. Cause I'm not going to claim any being first, but I'm going to definitely say like, I wanted to add my perspective to the conversation. So I will say that. And then we got wishful thinking. We do. We had wishful thinking, which was, oh my goodness. I started in 2016. I started in 2016 in a need of kind of cheering myself up. I wanted to, I was having a really rough year and I was like, well, what, what's something that'll make me smile, make me laugh and make me just like, cause I was missing home because I moved to the city for, um, career opportunities and also school opportunities. And I was like, I miss my my hometown because I grew up at the Jersey Shore for 20 some odd years. And I was just like, I miss home. I'm going to write a book that captures that feeling of home for me. And so yeah, Wishful Thinking and Lucy and Serena and Callie and Ursula, my little crew of witches just, you know, being hydrated and blessed down at the Jersey Shore doing magic and having fun. So seeing it on the shelf, I'm still like, oh, yeah, I read a book. You wrote a book. <laughs> right. And I mean, we have a witch and a merman. So where did that combination come from? For me, it was I've always wanted to see a human um, mer, mer person romance. But then I was like, well, why don't I just turn her into a witch? Let's do mm-hmm. that. 
because there was the first version, it was definitely much more dramatic. Like, oh my goodness, this sea wants to kill you or something like that. It was a curse. But I was just like, no, I don't I don't have the emotional bandwidth to do this at the current moment and make it so dramatic. I made it fun and frothy and like, because I, I wanted someone to pick up this book and like, you know what? I needed that. That was just like a little glass. Somebody told me my writing was like a peach Bellini. And I was like, I'll take it. I love Bellini. (laughs) Thank you for that compliment. I will take it. Just a little something you would have with brunch. So how it came about was like, I love myrrh. I love myrrh folk. I love um, myrrh maids. Like my husband for one of my birthdays, he got me a book of mermaid folklore and I devoured it and I like highlighted and underlined it, all the marginalia. I was like, I'm going to write a merman romance because we see mermaids. I wanted to see a merman mer- romance because I said, well, we always see mermaids. What about mer- mermen? And then yeah. having to do figure out the anatomy of a merman. That was an interesting couple of days. It's <laughs> just like, well, how does this work? It's <laughs> just like, huh. So that was just like, I just felt a need to be like, you know what? I This is what I want to see. And this is what I want to write. And that's how it just kind of came about for me. So, yeah, it's like, I like this Well, idea. the way that it ended off, like the romance was tied together perfectly. But there's a relationship in that book that like... My blood was boiling during a couple of scenes. So, like, whose oh. book is next? <laughs> what's happening with that that relationship, that friendship? Uh, what's going on? What who? What are we getting well, next? Book two will answer that because I'm pretty sure if I say anything, my editor will come and just. And we don't need that. We love editors here. Up. We respect oh, editors. Here. My editor, she is awesome. She is great. I will tell you right now. I should be like, listen. Don't you spoil anything. Everyone <laughs> I ask is like, oh, who do you think it is? Because when I go to signings, which ah, I have signings, it's still new to me. Um, they'll say, whose book is next? And I'm like, whose book do you think is next? Good. Okay. <laughs> I was like, she's going to save this for last. And oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm not going to save it for last. But I will say the beautiful thing about book two is that page one you get the answer to what happens. Okay, good. And it's just oh, like, thank God. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm the type of person where I hate, I hate tension. I'm just like, just, and writing it is hard for me because I'm just like, I'm just going to tell them right now. I mean, I was like, no, no, honey, you can't do that. You got to, you got to tease it out. I was like, but, <laughs> but I just want to tell people. But the first page, you find out what happens. And I'm just like, good. And then the rest of the book, I am just like, uh, it's my kind of love letter to Midsummer's Night's Dream. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, okay. When does it come out? That's a good question. Should be coming okay. out this fall. <laughs> they told me this fall, I need to get through these edits, this revision, because this book was, like I said, I kind of wrote myself into a bit of a conundrum because the relationships are so strong in the book. I have to like stick the landing. I'm Simone, Simone Biles, honey, with this book. I swear, because I have to make sure that I stick the landing because I want to make sure that when they unite, which they are going to do, they're going to reunite. Once my witches reunite and they come back together, they have to be it has to be sincere and it has to make sense. And you don't want to be like, I forgive you. No, I forgive you. It's like there's going to be work put into it because that character needs work put into them. So I will say that. For those who haven't read oh the book, read the book. But this you book. You got time. Yes. 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 <laughs> 
like Aaron said, we are here for Books Club to talk kiss with you. Uh, and I did a little bit of digging and I want to I want to read to you all what I found. And then Celestine, we want to hear all about how it felt at the moment when these books were coming out. Tell us all the things. But so I went on fiction database to, of course, see like how many books came out. So the this is actually one of the shorter running lines. It ran from February 2013 through October 2014. And it says that it released 85 books, but the 85th book that's listed there actually came out in like 2012. So I don't know what's going on with there. So I guess between 84 and 85. Overseas, if you were overseas, it was Reva. It wasn't Kiss. Um, There were four titles released a month. And we had authors like Amy Andrews, Stephanie London, um, Joss Wood, Allie Blake, Heidi Rice, Liz Fielding. They were writing from it. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I could find from Harlequin's website was, and this was in the, the back of the books that I read. So it's like, you think of flirting as an art form. Harlequin kiss stories are all about the delirium of a potential new romance where fun loving heroines and irresistible heroes just can't get enough of each other. And so then Aaron, our friend Lynn Spencer, I found an article. I think it was like a blog post she did back in 2013 on allaboutromance.com. And she did an interview with author Kelly Hunter, who had the first kiss title called The One That Got Away and another of its launch authors, Kelly Lang. And she asked, what drew you to kiss? out of all the Harlequin lines and what do you think makes it different from the others? And Kelly said, there's so much to love about this line. Superb individual author voices. So many kiss authors are category romance royalty. How cool is that? Amazing global settings. And there's a special mix of lightness and depth that all our Mm -hmm. authors bring to the stories. Humor and drama, light and dark, fun and flirty, yet serious about finding and keeping love. And then Kimberly said, there's a fresh feeling to kiss that really attracts me. I love that we can and are encouraged to stretch expectations and try new story ideas that don't quite fit in other lines. It's exciting. So that was at the beginning of it. Celestine, as a reader, take us back to 2013. How did it feel at the time as these books were coming out? And like, what are some of your faves? Oh my goodness. So 20, oh, 2013, 2013, I was still in my adjunct lecture, lecturer phase of my um, teaching career. So seeing those books were just like, oh my goodness. It's like, I can't afford brunch, but I can go to these books. I can rent these books from the (laughs) library. (laughs) Like just seeing those bright covers. And I remember the covers the most where you have like people who are just like, you know, you have like a lot of pinks, a lot of tropical covers, a lot of bright covers, a lot of like, it's just like, it's it's very distinct. It's different from your presents where you usually have that exotic locale and, you know, glamorous. It's different from hard Harley Quinn romance where where the, back then you had the you know those layered pink light covers and it different from medical right very different from medical that has usually that blue like kind of Grey's Anatomy s type color so Harley Quinn Quiz stood out because you if you wanted just you wanted some sex on the page and you wanted some a little um a more some passion but you were like I want that I want to feel like I could be friends with the heroines. Rather than you're like, oh, this glamorous woman being swept off her feet, you have your billionaires occasionally who slip in through a Harley Quinn kiss. But then you have this guy who's like, he's down to earth. He eats a cheeseburger. You know, <laughs> he's like, he has caviar and cheeseburgers. Ooh la la. So having it come out, it felt like it was very just like, it felt like candy. 
it felt like you going into a candy store and you seeing something, you're like, oh my goodness, they have like a, my favorite little pack of uh, holiday candies just for me. And I love the Harley Quinn kiss because it felt just like, this is a line for me. And at that point, I was definitely like one of the heroines. I was in my my early mid-20s. You know, I was figuring things out. I was in the city because a lot of the books took place in New York. You know, mm. like, oh my goodness, they took place in New York. And there's always this one girl is like, oh no, there's two people. I rented this apartment. No, I rented this apartment. Whose bed is it anyway? Which I did read. <laughs> was one of the earliest ones that I read. Um, that was by, because I wrote that down, Natalie Anderson. So whose bed is it anyway? about two people who are like we're gonna share this apartment oh there's a one shower one bed one couch one love you know all that good stuff so i so it had my favorite tropes and they were always like dialed up just a little bit right they just dialed up just a little bit there's like this kind of um flirtiness because i did look it up too as well i looked up the description before and it's just like it was very flirty like there was banter like they were gonna go back and forth there was gonna be some snappish there was sarcastic heroes sarcastic heroes with a big bank account i was here for it and then you had heroines who weren't going to, you know, say like, oh, roll, like they weren't going to be like, oh, your money will dazzle me or, you know, oh. But I feel like there was definitely the two, um, the hero and the heroine, they were definitely on the same level. And and as uh, Harley Quinn Chris c- continued on and I read more of the line, I realized that there was some really like they went after like subject matters that were very like wow this is this is really deep they were going yeah. into it i know my one of my favorite ones was driving her crazy i don't know if you've read that one it's by amy andrews who's a really good like i've anyone i've read of hers in the um harley the kiss line always really good i mean i read it all the way through in one sitting that was the one that dealt with a lot of body images um and she does one of the first books that I saw in a Harley Quinn actually talk about content warning and it talks about PTSD and it talks about this um just going to summarize it real quick uh, a photographer he he got into a really bad accident um in a war zone and so he's dealing with his PTSD and also there's a woman who's dealing with um having to deal with a toxic relationship she was like essentially like starving herself and trigger warning for anyone who needs it who's basically like changing her body so that she can be accepted by her former lover. And the two of them really kind of talk about these issues. And there's an honest conversation. There's no placating. There's no like, oh, I'm going to be okay. She's like, well, have you thought about going to therapy? Have you like, how about, so there's honest conversation between these two characters and, you know, and it's done during a road trip. And of course there's one bed and there's one shower and, you know, there's all these little fun, little light moments in between the heavier moments that makes like that's why I loved Harley Quinn Kiss so much it was actually the first line I could see myself writing for you know I was like oh my goodness I live in New York and (laughs) I could write this and so I could do it so I had this whole plan and this notebook and like you were saying it ended I'm I am I'm the type of person where I have to take a lot of time to come up with a good idea because like I ingest a lot of things like there's a writer um what is her name she has a writer you should quit series 
Um, Becca Simi, she's very good. Like my brain, there are people who have who writer brains, right? There's a writer brain that makes it like, oh, you pre-made bread. You already have pre-made stories in your head. And there's some people who are like bread makers. You need raw materials to make the bread, to make the sandwiches, right? I have that type of brain where I need to gather a lot of information. I've got to like go out for walks and I've got to read a lot of books and I have to do things before I come up with a good idea. But when I have a good idea, I got it. Mm-hmm. It's good. So, ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. by the time I came with my my perfect kiss idea, the line was done. And I was like, we're right for kiss. I was so heartbroken behind it. But I saw well, so many authors like between us posting and our yeah. good friend Sarah, she lives in Australia and she posted about like, hey, the podcast is doing kiss this month. And there were authors that were like, I wanted to submit to that line, yeah. like Harlequin authors. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> Like I'm t- it was accessible, right? It's that little sweet spot in between like someone who's a billionaire and then someone who's like, I'm a veterinarian. Oh, okay, what about like, uh, let's say a social media advisor? Boom, there we go. You can still make a little money. You can still do some things. And so you wanted that little area in between where you're like, you're successful, but you're not like, you know, millionaire. You have, it's just like, there was always that spot where it's just like, even with Harley Quinn Presents, which I absolutely love the people who are doing Harley Quinn Presents and still make me fall for a billionaire, even with all the billionaire and the problematic billionaires that we have in this world today. I appreciate them still making me fall in love with those usual Greek billionaires, the Dimitris and all everybody. So I felt like that Harley Quinn line was just so perfect. And when we lost, it. You don't see those same covers anymore. You don't see those little fun, bright, poppy colors anymore. And it's just like, even though, uh, I mean, these Harley Quinn covers, whoever is running for Desire, Harley Quinn <laughs> Desire covers. Oh, and, yeah. oh, oh my gosh, gorgeous. Whoever is doing the cover design, they're doing a wonderful job. Because I'll sit there and I'm like, um, hello, bo- hello, um, let me go to the library. Let me rent this. It's on hold. You have like four weeks, seven weeks wait for a book. And I'm loving it. So it's just like, I just, I miss that kiss. I, I, miss, yeah. I miss kiss. I sincerely do. Did it feel like it was for like a specific age demographic maybe? It was. I would say if you were between the ages, I would say I'll be generous, 23 and about... About the 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 oldest heroine, I'm saying oldest, uh, about 33, 34. So you had that band, and especially if you were closer to your 30s, you saw you definitely saw a lot of those heroines like 29, because I wasn't 29 at the time of reading it, but I was I was a spitting distance of 29 and 30 when I was reading Kiss. So it felt like, oh, these heroines are my age. Because usually with Harley Quinn presents, from what I remember. Because it's like you have usually on the younger side, she's around 25, 24 in those. But then if you want more older heroines, you really have to kind of look around the lines for older heroines. I'm saying older (laughs) heroines, like 29, 30, 33. Like I am a 
big, the older I've gotten, I've gotten a big fan of Harley Quinn special edition because there was one book because who was it? She writes delightful romances and she had this um, Love Struck Vermont series. Oh, Terry Wilson. Yes. Oh, I met her once and she covered in glitter from head to toe. She like Glinda the Good Witch. She is gorgeous. She is so girly. It's the best thing ever. It is. (laughs) Her Love Struck series. Oh, I devoured it. But the heroines were older. They were yeah. older. They were mm-hmm. in their 30s. There was one that was 40 and she was having, um, she was a geriatric pregnancy, which I was also a geriatric pregnancy as well. So it was just like, oh my goodness. So if you, Harley Quinn captured a special, Harley Quinn Kiss, captured a very special moment where, you know, dreams, if you're listening to Taylor Swift and you're doing all this stuff, like it was a nice little age range. I remember being the age. I remember being the uncertainty. I'm like, oh, will I fall in love? Who will I fall in love with? And all that good stuff. I just wish they still had that. Like I'm still, I'm still waiting for a new adult to come back. They got to bring new adult back. I was like, I have a whole new adult novel that I am here for that I wrote at that age. And I'm waiting for a new adult because and I also, I want older heroines because it's not like, yeah. I feel like like you, 35 seems to be the cutoff point because same thing with like my heroines are going to age with me. I can't have like, oh, I'm going to write 25 year old because I said mm-hmm. right then I'm not in that mindset right there. Like I could write, but it's going to be 25 from my point of view. <laughs> yeah. Not from, yeah. you know, currently I wouldn't want to be a 25 year old now because I will say this it's just like I feel like there's so many options I would would just be immobile with all the options that you have out there like I was literally on the cusp because I am what's called an elder millennial I'm one of the like listen you put early like the 80s mid 80s baby yes I am like you put on a thousand miles by Vanessa Carlton I will I will bring it down the house (laughs) make my way downtown like let's do it come on we need Vanessa Carlton to make a comeback because okay pretty baby by her I think it's just one of the best songs ever she had a gorgeous voice (laughs) she's such a kiss heroine she's a kiss heroine if we had to create a soundtrack for kiss I feel like for sure a thousand miles would be yes. on the soundtrack because you've got to do like I mean whatever 13 going on 30 would be like the masthead for the if we had to do like a Harley Quinn kiss like bass welcome basket you would have a copy of 13 going on 30 you're gonna have at least a copy of harmonium you're gonna have some type of ironic t-shirt put in the basket yes. as well yeah. and ballet flats ballet flats that are just a little fancy yeah it was like i would do it like a kiss theme party i'm like did anyone ask for this no one asked for it but i did it and i don't care we talk theories here a lot so okay aaron was this your first or no Yes, this was my first Harlequin kiss. Okay, so from, okay, because I, besides the two that I read, I had only read one more. But with this being your first, what are your initial thoughts and why did we only get 80 something books? in this series what do you think i don't know because i wasn't reading romance when these were when these were being published Mm -hmm. so it's hard to get my head in the headspace of of you know what these uh what these weren't delivering to the target audience but i feel like these books if they were being published today would be hits like do you think they were ahead of their time 
I, I think maybe that's it. Yeah, I think the readership just like wasn't quite ready for him. Um, you know, the uh, the Twilighters, the people that got into reading because of Stephanie Myers, you know, um, hadn't quite made the transition to to reading full on um, romance. Yeah. yeah, full on romance. Right. Mm, interesting. And then, okay, so like you and me, we talk title. We, I mean, we've talked with the cover. We've talked with Mr. Tony Horvath, right? And we know mm-hmm. how much like the cover, the title, all of that is like such a package. Looking at the cover of the one you read, if you took Harlequin off, would it read category romance to you? Yeah, it, it, it would. would. Uh, okay. Yeah, just looking at it now, especially because um, so I read uh, Mr. Not So Perfect by Jessica Hart. And there's a red uh, this took place in London. So you've got the red phone booth behind our characters and stuff. And it's just it kind of kind of screams Harlequin, Mills and Boone. Mm-hmm. Well, Celestine, for you now that like there's so much time in between the time when it ended and now that we're, you know, talking about it, looking back on it, did you have a sense that was that it was ending or did it totally take you as a reader at the time by surprise? So that was, oh my goodness, that was kind of my beginning era of me. I'm going to be a romance writer. So I would always look on like Harley Quinn. I signed up for their emails. I signed up for the websites. And also I had joined at that point. I was, was I a member of RWA? I have to think. I was starting to get into RWA. And so I heard rumblings of it. But they're like, oh, we're going to transfer into something else, something new. And then that transformation never really took took place. You know, they're like, oh, based on feedback from our readers, we've decided that we're not going to continue on with the Harley Quinn kiss line. And I'm thinking to myself, who doesn't like the Harley Quinn kiss line? I'm thinking like, well, but it's perfect. Like, and I, like I said, I, I was ahead of his time because even though, like, I feel like, I mean, tr- they had content warnings, which beforehand, you went into the book, you went into the book, like, no warning whatsoever. You had no idea, and, yeah. And, and when you read something, you were like, whoa, where did that come from? That's subplot. I've stopped the book when there was, like, very disturbing things. And you you think about, oh, in the genre, okay, maybe there'll be something, but you, it takes you off guard. At least when I was going into the book and you go into the book, you're like, okay, you're going to see this. Get, prepare yourself to, and if, because if you're not in the place to read that, you're, it, you need that warning, right? Just for your own um, health. And so there were rumblings about it, but I thought that they would just like repackage it, you know, change the cover, make it a bit more like towards like more presents or even more towards um, Harley Quinn romance. And then when they stopped, it was kind of like, wow, that's really, it's just, I don't, I think, I don't know what happened. And I wish that they had given a bit more time to just like find its voice or path. If they have done like another two years, it definitely would have, it would have hit. It would have hit and it would have been like really good because I felt like they had some of their very strong writers and a lot of writers who I recognize wrote for presents or wrote for romance because I'm a Harley Quinn romance fan too as well and special edition as well. So I'm, I don't know. It's just like it was definitely a shock for those who who love the line. Okay, so here's my two question theories to pose to you two. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, Aaron knows this and I've shared this on the podcast. Like my first time reading a heroine who had an abortion was my first kiss. And it wasn't just like, mm. you know, slickly put in there and moved on. Like, no, she was like, I'm going to fudge the numbers here. But she's like, I make 
$30,000 a year and I'm $70,000 in debt, I did what I had to do because there's no way I was going to bring a kid into the world when I was financially struggling, you know? And and she's like, I think about the baby every day, but I did what I had to do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back, you know? And that was my, f- I was like, oh man, I thought we don't do abortions in romance because I had never read it before. And I'm like, here's this kiss from 2014. So was it, a okay, I hate to say that like, there is a huge age that age range that predominantly reads category. But when you read books like these, where it's like clearly people loved it, like even like KU authors that I've read and loved, both of the books that I read, I saw them having read it like seven years ago. Mm. And so I know that like there were women in that age group that it was targeting that were reading it. But was it... Was its demise because the predominant age range of category readers has always been older? That's my first question that I want to ask you guys. And also just the fact that it was tackling issues that I think maybe romance at the time wasn't ready for. So what do you what do you all think about those? too. I think so. Yeah, because I think about the people who read category romances, they are going to be of a certain um, like age group, and they also have a certain sensibility, right? Like, as someone who was younger and who was that age range. Yeah. Loved it. I loved it because it felt like I could be a f- I could be friends with the character. This person. Yeah. yeah, I could be friends with the character, or I could have a crush on the hero. Like, it made sense to me. <laughs> so, and so, like, like you said, like there were situations that um, people were going through that made it made sense because I was like, I you like, you know, someone who went through that, you know, somebody exactly, who's struggling. Yeah. you know, somebody. So it's not anything thing. And it's also the fact that it's on the page rather than implied, because anytime when I see that subject abortion on the page. It's like, um, no, she was very clear. I did this because of, you know, the financial issue. And also, why am I bringing another thing, a person into this? And so it's Mm -hmm. just like, no. So I think that the fact that they were tackling those issues and because they were on the page, very explicit, having conversations about it and not being apologetic. That yeah. was an, that was another thing I remember about the Kiss heroines. There was no apologies about it, and if they were apologetic, it was they it was through self ownership. Because there was another book. Because I like I said, I did a lot of research for this because I was like, I've got to come <laughs> correct. And there was one book like the Wedding Season series where you have an uh, what was it? The girl least likely to be married. This oh, that's Amy woman, Andrews. <laughs> yeah, Amy Andrews, like Amy Andrews was she was bringing the heat. When it came to kiss. So wherever you, Amy, thank you. Because I was reading that book and it was very clear, even though she doesn't state it, this woman is either um, neurodivergent or she has trouble um, with interpersonal relationships or she doesn't read social cues. And it's and then and the hero, he loves how intelligent she is. He loves how straightforward she is. She doesn't BS him and she doesn't apologize for it. But then she comes to find out she also suffers from um either mania or bipolar. Um, even though she's not explicit on the page, she has um she definitely has history where she's been in um a mental health crisis and it's on 
the page. It's on the page. Yeah. And it's very clear. And she's like, and she says, I, this medicine, it helps me. She's taking medicine to help with her issues. And she takes it every morning dutifully. And the hero makes a joke. And she's like, no, 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 no. You have to accept me taking this medicine because it helps me. And that's it. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I love that. <laughs> I love it. That's why it was just like, it was, it was like, it was like our heroines with warts and flaws and everything. But it was, was it hidden? It wasn't highlighted. It was current. It was actually there. And I think that for some readers, they're like, well, I read romance in order to escape, which you know what? I understand that. I'm not sitting here. I'm like, I get it. But also, I also read romance to enforce certain things. Like for someone who has a chronic health visit or someone who's immunocompromised or someone whose romance includes that, yeah, I have someone who loves me. I'm this wonderful relationship. But then I have to make sure that I do to stay in this relationship, to stay healthy, to stay present in this relationship. I have to make sure that I'm physically, emotionally healthy as well. And that's what I love about Harley Quinn Kiss. And that's why it was just like, it was such a loss. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Erin? Do you, do you think that, okay, because we have this new line that's coming, right, in 2024. And we really have this hope that it brings readers who have never read category to category. And I think for a long time, a lot of category readers may have picked up their first category because someone in their life read it, you know, and they mm -hmm. saw their mom reading it or whatever. Was it... Was Kiss an attempt at like is is was Kiss basically this line that we have coming out in 2024? Like, but, but back in 2013, do you think it was an attempt to try to get new readers on board? And but maybe at the time, category was still like in this cycle of you pick it up if you already have a, a foot in the door. Like your mom reads it, your aunt reads it, she brings them home from the library. You know, like what what do you think? Yeah, I I think I think you're probably onto something there. Because I'm trying to put myself into my book reading mindset back around that time. And Kindle, the device, was kind of blowing up, but there was no yeah. KU yet. Um, there were still, you know, people could put their books on Kindle for free, um, you know, these self-published authors and stuff. I'm not sure where Harlequin was with their ebooks at that time. So the readership probably still was that just classic readership of either subscribe to the books or pick them up from uh, their, their grocery store or whatever, anytime they're in there. So I would definitely think that, especially with these covers, that they're shooting for a fresh demographic in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Back to your uh, theory about it ending it because it being too much for the classic readership, I guess it, we'll just put it that way. Mm -hmm. I think you might be on to something there too, because 2012, I'm putting my political hat on of, yeah, right now, but culture. trying to not, not, get too, <laughs> not get too political with it. But um, a black man was reelected president at that time, mm, and yeah. it was kind of the beginning of this new culture war that we have found ourselves in mm -hmm. uh, in today's environment of things being very polarized of uh you know uh, certain people saying life needs to be this way uh, and other people saying life can you know it, whatever everyone has their own opinions about things um and at that time i think it really started to that culture war really started to take root and there was possibly some pushback from say a presents reader 
that picks mm-hmm. one of these up and is like, well, no, no, no. A surprise baby is supposed to mean that these these two characters find love however they need to find it. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, there's that there's an abortion involved there, which my uh, my book that I read, Mr. Not Quite Perfect, it had an interesting angle with the surprise baby. So the, the heroine's mother, um, our heroine was a surprise baby. And she kind of had this chip on her shoulder about her mother never telling her about her father. But we come to find out that her father rejected her mother when he found out that she was pregnant mm-hmm. and was pretty much get out of, was saying, get out of my life. And her mother hid it from her until uh, until his uh well she didn't her mother didn't even break it to it our heroine figured it out herself but uh her father had died and her mother's like i hid this from you because he was going to break your heart if you mm. went and found him he was not going to be kind to you uh if you you know he was going to shatter every perception you had of the you know this idea or dream or whatever of who your you think you thought your father was um, and what you were missing out on your whole life, you know, I did this to protect you. And, and that's, you know, not take, for example, it presents, you know, that's not how something like that plays out and it presents. Because I know there was a had a bag of billionaire where there is a surprise baby. The heroine's mother has a surprise baby with the hero's father. And so the two of them team up to go and find the father who's out in Thailand because he's one of those Peter Pan <laughs> characters. Never grow up. And I'm telling you, I'm reading like, okay, how's he going to respond? How's he going to respond? This dude, he's like, well, oh, wow, that's nice. Your mom's pregnant. Uh, he starts looking at the door. They have to keep this man from running out on his son and the heroine. And I was like, wow. And the way they play it, the hero steps up. He's like, this is going to be my my little brother's sister. I'll step up. If he won't do it, I'll be the man for him. I was like, thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's, it, that is so real. And like sometimes people act unheroically and you have to take um, comfort in the people who show up for you. Yeah. And that's why I was just like, what? Yeah, because I remember when Obama was reelected and all of a sudden, I think he won the seat, but then he lost, did he lose the Senate or the House? I think he, both. Right? And he uh, by a, they lost a lot of seats there. So then you start to have this pushback. Uh, and so I remember just the change and people were like, oh, well, and then you started hearing about tradition and traditional and all this stuff. And I said, but that's not how life works. You have traditions and you have certain things, but then realistically, that's not how life works. Like love is messy. Families are messy. Like, But now yeah. looking back on it, so do you all feel like I kind of question, okay, if it, if it just by chance lasted longer than it did right but I I feel like sometimes the greats sometimes part of the greatness is the fact that they're over right yeah like what what would kiss look like today and part of me really kind of feels like it would look like this line that's coming out (laughs) Uh uh-huh but like there's something just knowing that it it did so much in such a little bit of time and so long ago Mm kind of makes it really great to me I don't know. What what do y'all think? Like, would we have wanted them to draw it out? Oh, man. It's, for me, it's like holiday candy is the best candy. I know it's the same candy from all year round, just repackaged. But I'm going to buy those Valentine chocolate hearts 
in bulk <laughs> because it's so special, because it's so finite, because I yeah. can't get that chocolate, those delicious Reese's Pieces, peanut butter hearts any time of the year, except for the month of February. So I feel like because it was so short and so sweet that it makes it special. And the fact that, you know, renting these books and reading them and being like, well, these hold up. But yeah, they, they hold up even 10 plus years. They hold up. And so that makes me very happy to be able to read. And so like, OK, I wasn't it wasn't just um, fond memories. It was like, wow. And it encouraged me like I could write that. I could yeah. I could write something as fun and frothy and flirty. And it, and that's what like Harley. See, that's the thing that that's what gets me is like reading yeah. mine. OK, I, we'll, we'll have to get into books, but like. Reading the ones that I read, I was like, oh, man, like just that feeling of like, I want to write something like this. And I think that 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 this line Mm -hmm. probably did that for a lot of people. It did. It did. It really did. I don't know. Erin, so you already touched on yours a little bit. Was there anything else you wanted to mention about the one that you read or just like overall thoughts, how you feel for it as like your first one? Yeah. So uh, this was a fake dating and a best friend's brother romance and it it had a real nice twist on the fake dating so our heroine is a journalist and she's got to write this article is you know can we create mr perfect so she gets her best friend's brother who is like an engineer he doesn't care about fashion he doesn't care about modern art things like that uh, and she's going to try and turn him into a man that has it all. So is has fine tastes, is into the art scene. And I guess he's an engineer, so he can fix your car. I guess that's something they brought up. He, so he has that already. But she sets him up with what's essentially the the top Victoria's Secret model in, in this world. And they're going to go on these stage dates to, to try and make him a... a you know, Mr. Perfect. And so you've got the the fake dating there of these these two characters, the hero and this side character fake dating and, you know, oh, is she going to fall for him? But then, you know, our, our hero and heroine keep having these moments where they, you know, their eyes meet and they stare into each other without saying anything, you know, and the sparks are flying. And then she has to, so for him to agree to do all of this, she has to help him go to this dinner and get this promotion that that he's going to uh, that he's really shooting for, and so they have to fake date there. So it was a it was a nice twist on fake dating, and I, I love the London setting, and I really liked the that that bit of history that I went into with the heroine's father and and her relationship with her mother. Definitely, uh, definitely good mix up on the tropes, and just a lot of fun, just very flirty and and just very fun. I mean, you love presents, Aaron. So like, is mm-hmm. would this potentially be a new line for you or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because it has rom-coms and stuff, too. So oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it had it just had these fun beats to it that were dramatic enough. Like I was laughing out loud so much while reading this. Because there were just these great moments in there. And, you know, to in just situations that I could see myself in, oh, which, you know, Presents doesn't quite have that. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to shout out a few others that I put into my cart when I was mm-hmm. on the Harlequin website looking at the Kiss line because there are so many of them for, for like two bucks or something. So uh, the first one I picked up, Celestine, was Driving Her Crazy by Amy Andrews. Andrews. I have that one too on the Glow app. 
Yeah. We have to read it together now, Aaron. We should, yeah. Oh, and then man. I have Don't Tell the Wedding Planner by Amy Carson and Beach Bar Baby by Heidi Rice. I was just about to read that. I'm okay. I gotta read that now. Aaron, what do you think of the, the titles though? What do you think of the titles? Are the titles like they're not like snowbound with a billionaire while pregnant, you know? <laughs> what do you think of the titles? Yeah, I, I think I think they're fine. I mean they get they still have the uh the giving you an, an idea of what the story's going to be about. Yeah. And tie it in with the cover too. Yes. Like the driving her crazy, um, you know, the heroine is sitting on the hood of a car while the hero embraces her and uh i guess not so much don't tell the wedding planner but it's got a really fun shot of just the the heroine's legs and then beach bar baby it's you know a very beach setting like exercise attire things like that yes yes okay celestine did you read anything that you want to share um his until midnight by nikki logan oh my gosh that was one of my favorite because one of my favorite films well like film series it's the um before series uh like before sunrise before sun midnight all those um with ethan hawk and julie depley i love like a ticking clock they have to make a decision about their relationship they've only got so much time before they have to say goodbye or depart and so his until midnight is about these two these two people who like she's married to their mutual best friend right and so every every what is it? every like christmas holiday because she lives in australia he lives in um hong kong or singapore and they meet they have lunch, they have dinner this extravagant dinner for and they spend the day together every, once a year and i'm just like oh my gosh and, like, <laughs> and so they always together but there's this attraction between them and they can't act on it because if they did it's too much i was like oh my goodness so they keep meeting they meet they meet and then one year she doesn't show up and she leaves him without any explanation and then the next year she shows up and her husband his friend is dead. What? And so that was the thing that wasn't keeping them acting on their emotions. And they used this whole story between them about this. And they throughout the book, they're having this extravagant dinner and he's made his fortune. He's like a billionaire. And you learn about his issues. He has all this money in the world, but he's stunted through his inability to love and she breaks down those walls and she has her own issues and like the time's ticking down because she's leaving in the morning and I love that kind of ticking clock where it's just like I love a ticking clock <laughs> oh yes and you're reading it and they're just like it's the way it ends I didn't remember it the way it ended but then I when I reread it I was like I like the way it ended because it wasn't like, you know, she made it very clear what he was doing because he was doing the thing where it's just like, oh, I'm I'm sending you away because I love you. And she's like, this isn't about you protecting me. This is about you protecting yourself. And she reads him for filth in the limo <laughs> ride to the airport. And I was like, yes. 
I I totally just added that to Goodreads. And then I saw that she has another title called My Boyfriend and Other Enemies. And I'm like, oh, I'm so intrigued. The the (laughs) titles are giving me like, I don't think people understand. I came up in like the while you were sleeping era of rom-coms, the wedding planner, all the type of titles that you see in the kiss line. There were movies and the movies (laughs) were there. They were in theaters and they made all this money. And it was one of those things. How to lose a guy in 10 days? Come on. They have all those type of titles. It isn't until midnight. Literally, they're like, listen, like he is just like, it was just fun, flirty. They have heavy issues behind a lot behind just like real issues where it's just like how because the first people that we love, the first people we come to love are our parents and how our parent our parental relationships or either lack of parental relationships or, you know, overwhelming like parental relationships or the um, the expectations our families have for us shape us into what we expect from love, what we want for love. So yeah. it doesn't shy from it. It's not like like, well, is that like, oh, you're the reason why I can't love. And I said, it's always, especially in Kiss, it's always like, I saw the way love affected the person that I care about. How do I, how am I able to love? If you're my first example of what love could be, and if I see love being used as a weapon or being taken away or being on, or love on conditions how do I make it forward with someone when I want to love someone and that's what I really like about it like and they talk about they talk about therapy they talk about doing the work and not automatically being like love will heal us we'll work it out it's like no (laughs) like when the epilogue takes place a year later and he's like, this is what I've done. This is how I've healed. This is what I'm doing. And this is how, you know, I, he makes his grand gesture, but it's a grand gesture that means that you actually care about me or you care about what's going on with us. You so put in the what, work. You put in the work. It, and because like, I hopefully in what I'm writing, I want people to say like, okay, they're going to be okay. It's not you close the book like, nah, they're going to break up. <laughs> they're going to break up automatically. Yeah. Or you want to believe they're going to stay together. Yeah, they're going to stay together because they're going to say, you know what, I'm we're going to get there and we're going to work together and I'm going to work at our relationship every day. I'm going to work on myself every day. Well, I read first, I read um, Faking It to Making It by Mm. the wonderful Allie Blake. And this is set in Melbourne. And it is a romance about what what you're looking for set in the world of online dating so our heroine is Saskia and she is a mathematician and she's doing this like freelance job doing um statistical research which involves she's trying to create an infographic on online dating and there's this dating website called dating by numbers and one day she sees the hero nate he's put a profile out there and he's very open about like i i'm just looking for a date for a wedding (laughs) because he has sisters and his sisters are like okay you it's time for you to be in a relationship we're gonna start hooking you up and that's the last thing he wants he doesn't want a relationship like they lost their father and when his father passed I think he was like 16 or 17 he became the man of the house and like all Mm. that emotional you know aftermath just weighed on him and he's like I'm good I don't I don't want to put myself in that situation like I just don't I don't want a relationship like that so he just wants a date to the wedding so they both have their whys of like why they're on this on this website 
but of course it's like i need you to be i need you to pretend to be my girlfriend because like i'm gonna eventually introduce you to my sisters and things and the cool thing about saskia is i mean it felt a little cinderella-ish but not really i mean she's like i guess the best way i can describe her is like kind of like a hippie hipster like she's like all free loving and dresses he's a a billionaire like suits and ties and stuff and she's just like you know cool pants and long flowing shirts and messy Mm -hmm. buns and clearly not from his world but like his mom his sisters meet her they fall in love and it's like at some point the relationship what I thought I mean Allie Blake her website she even shares this like she writes her romances with like a little bit of pixie dust and like that's how I felt like I finished this book and I was just like oh man I want to write books that have people feeling like this like it's just Mm. it was really fun and flirty and I emailed her and I'm like okay you write for true love and you write for that you wrote for kiss like how did they feel different and she's just like the emotional part of writing for the romance line it's it's it can be tough whereas with kiss it was just fun and flirty and sexy and like I just I'm like her tone is the same regardless of which line you're reading her in but she did such a wonderful job I think of like giving us that point in the relationship where it isn't fake anymore as much as either one or both of the characters like try to convince themselves of it's like we're actually in a relationship no matter like of how much we're trying to fake it it was beautiful so then I found out like it was actually the second book so I was like well of course I'm going to go back to read the first one and I read the first one and it's called the secret wedding dress and the gist of it is there's a wedding there's a wedding dress store that is selling dresses at like 90% off. And so she goes with her homegirl and she's like, I don't she has no plans on getting married. She doesn't want a, want a wedding dress, but as in true any true girl fashion, if you see the dress, you're like, "Oh, I'm going to snatch it on top of the fact that it's 90% off." So she gets it and then she's on the lift because, you know, again, Allie lives in um, Australia. So I'm like, I'm assuming the lift is the elevator. <laughs> She's in the lift and mm-hmm. in walks, she's holding this wedding dress, in walks a hero. Like the man of your dreams walks into the elevator as you're holding a freaking wedding dress. <laughs> so, and so, and like her dad was like a notorious cheater before her mom finally got the guts to leave him. So her thing is like, if this jerk flirts with me while I'm holding this wedding dress, never mind the fact that it's just because I thought it was cute and it was on sale, he's not a good guy. And it just, my biggest takeaway from that book is that I love a really hot um, elevator scene. Like, there you go. Crudescent. <laughs> yes. I loved it, you all. I feel like, do you do you feel like Kiss January was a successful time? Like, what do y'all say? I think it was, success, was successful. Big, big success, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It just gave me, it helped because I am knee deep in revisions. And I was just like, I need something fun. I need something flirty. And I was just like, yes, this is why. This is why I was just like, I wanted to write romance. Books like this. I mean, and, and there's a lot of, um, I mean, there are readers of category that don't even know about this line. So do you two feel like if someone is new to category, do you think that this a lot this is a line that holds up and is worth digging back into? Like check them out from your library, get on Harlequin's website and download them. Like, do you feel yes. like it's worth the time for a new to category reader to go seek these out? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. Well, I feel like our job here is done. Boom. <laughs> Celestine, tell everybody where they can they can follow you online. 
I am online on Twitter, off and on at JellybeanRay. That's my Twitter handle. I'm also on Instagram at um, Celestine Martin Author. Um, and also, you can find my very needed to be updated website at CelestineMartin.com. <laughs> well, listeners, make sure you check the show notes. We will have links to where you can keep up with the incredible Celestine Martin. You'll have to come back. Like, we have a podcast and we love talking about books, and you know, I'm you already write scheduled. Books. So, <laughs> for the next time, you so have to I'm, come back. <laughs> so, like, listen, I I'm following you on Twitter. So, if you're like, we're gonna read, yes, whatever it is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so like, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs>